3: While Roland Martin unfiltered for Thursday, September 19th, 2019. Roland's off today. I'm Dr. Julian Malvo. Democratic donor Ed Buck has finally got stuff got caught up with him. He's been charged with the death of Jamel Moore, and we'll give you the latest. The Federal Reserve has lowered interest rates for the second time since July. We'll tell you why that's important. Young voters and baby boomers have very different opinions about who should be the Democratic presidential nominee. We'll break it down. The New York Jersey ref, who ordered a wrestler to cut his dreads, has been suspended. Hmm. And a black school principal was stopped by the police when he accidentally walked past a crime scene. Plus, a New York judge is forced off the bench for racist Trump-supporting posts on social media. So it's time to ring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's get it on. He's got
4: it. Whatever the mess. He's on it.
0: Whatever it is.
2: you hey.
3: We're talking about the case of Democratic donor and sexual predator Ed Buck this week, and today we have some good news. He faces one felony count each of battery-causing serious injury, administering methamphetamines, and maintaining a drug house, the district attorney's office said in a statement. Joining me now, well, no, she's not gonna join us, but she's been on top of this story. That's Jasmine Kanick. She's been on top of this story, and we're hoping she'll get her later, but my panel is gonna talk a little bit about this. This was like a cray-cray case. Well, this guy is uh, luring black men, basically, to his drug house and uh, basically messing them up. So we're going to talk about it with Greg Carr. He's the chair of the Department of African American Studies at Howard University. Erica Savage-Wilson, host of Savage Politics Podcast, and Henny Garbiari, policy advisor and human rights activist. Greg, let's start with you on this one. What up? This man, I mean, you know, the thing that bothered me the most about this when I read about this, this guy has major, made major contributions to people like Ted Lieu, uh, major Democrats. And we have not heard their voices saying anything about how unacceptable this is. So do black gay lives matter?
1: Well, apparently not to Ed Buck. Well, they do matter while he's uh, exercising his sexual perversions, uh, Mm. when he's shooting them up with meth. And when they OD, I don't think they matter much. He can just basically dispose of them. But kudos to all the folks who have been out in front of his house. Yeah. All the people who would not let this down, social media, who are celebrating.
3: Jasmine deserves high props. I hope yeah, we can absolutely. get her. She yeah. did not let this story go.
1: No, she didn't, no, she didn't. The only other thing I would say initially is that, uh, guess they gave him a blue protective vest. They claim he's not suicidal, but I hope we've learned in the case of Jeffrey Epstein, when a white man gets treated like the rest of us, right. there ain't no guarantee he can take it. So they better watch him real close in prison.
4: Real close. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Annie? I completely agree with uh, Dr. Carr. I, I just... Also, what really bothers me about this situation is um, that when it comes to to you know, like the, uh, the gay community, I feel like th- the white community really doesn't really pay attention to when it comes to black lives, mm-hmm. who, you know, yeah. that are. So it's like a lot of people weren't talking about it. So I was just wondering what, why is that the, how come that's not, it's not prevalent for them. But when it comes to other issues, like everybody's really silent about it. Like the white gay community, no one's really yeah, they talking be. about they, it, they and they should be, more be talking vocal. about it. But it's like, how many lives had to have died? If it wasn't for the black community, yeah. the black gay community, this would have not been talked about yes. at all.
5: Eric, Absolutely, yeah. and I agree. And something that um, Jasmine said that really stuck with me um, on yesterday um, in the morning, she said, all this time, and it's a part of what she tweeted out, all this time Ed Buck has been op- operating with the impunity that he knows he has as a white man, mm. and so when you think about all of the intersections, and as you know, Dr. Carr and Hani have said, and you have expressed that you know he's had his day, he has, he's having his day in court now. Yeah. But um, understanding that the weight of the judiciary um, has commonly been on the backs of people of color, especially black people, hopefully we'll see him go through this process, and that these families, our community, will get the justice that's deserved. Mm. Had people moved more quickly.
3: There were three men involved. Once, at least one life might have been saved, had people moved more quickly, but there seemed to have been an indifference. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really have to give a serious shout out to Jasmine. Yeah. And Let's just take a minute, Greg, to talk about her. What must we say to this sister to to encourage her to continue her activism?
1: Well, that's difficult. Uh, you know, we, we just heard Eric you mentioned intersectionality. I mean, when do we decide that we're going to stand up, all of us, for every African that's in harm's way? Mm. I think we have to tell her that as remarkable as this consistency has been, we've got to work to make it unnecessary. In other yeah. words, can we, how, how can, why can't, as you said, honey, why can't any of us, why shouldn't, in fact, any of us stand in her stead? Our sexual orientation is irrelevant. It should be irrelevant. But the fact that it's not irrelevant is not only a testament to how far we have to go, Yes. You know, in celebrating her, we should also reassure her that next time this happens, well, we, we're going to try to prevent it next time, but all of us going well, to have we to... Well,
4: we're going to be there. Yeah. We're going to have her back. Can That's you? right. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree with uh, Dr. Carr as well. I, 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 I want to commend her because I, it's a difficult position to be in because sometimes not all black lives matter. That's like, right. not, it's you know, sometimes I think we're in a community sometimes where the only issue is like, okay, well, it's like only, you know... Uh, heterosexual lives matter, and then when it comes to gay lives, it's really no one really cares, and 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 they're the most vulnerable of us. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, we have had an epidemic of the murders of transgender, mm-hmm. mm. black women, yeah. uh, and that's something that our community really has not embraced or dealt with. And as I listen and look at what Jasmine has done, yeah. you're just a terrific job in keeping this out in the public
5: eye. I wonder who's doing that for these transgender sisters, Erica? Right, because I believe that um, 18 of those women, I believe up to date, have um, been killed um, violently. um, And that's just too many. And uh, back to what Dr. Carr said, I mean, this is really a time that we just have to take stock and make some decisions. Because at the beginning and end of the day, It is all black skin. Um, I still hold true that we are the bellwethers (laughs) of this nation and when one hurts, it is the entire community hurts. So uh, Jasmine, I believe, is a political consultant and she stood for um, families alongside activists and we just have to continue to pave and be involved in this work as well. I'm I'm just excited that she's
3: done such good work and that finally the uh, DA's office in in LA has charged this predator, Mm. this nasty you know what, Uh, (laughs) just you know what, I ain't rolling so I ain't going all the way there (laughs) 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 but but with his stuff but you know what, let's move on and talk about uh, Robert Smith opened up the stock market this morning Uh, I just love that man he's the one who wiped out the student loan debts of the entire 2019 graduating class at Morehouse College there he goes, ringing that stock bell go brother, go brother (laughs) <laughs> wow. We don't often get the opportunity to do that.
1: He's not play. He will not let that button go, would he? Yeah. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Dap <Damped> him <laughs> up. Dap him
3: up. Hey, hey. What in the world? <laughs> no, we don't, we don't often get the opportunity. I was had the privilege of being at the exchange with Reverend Jackson had the opportunity to open, I think, a couple years ago with the Wall Street Project, but you very rarely see a person of color, certainly not an African-American, opening up the stock exchange. Uh, and, And in money news, the Federal Reserve's decision to cut the interest rate, by a quarter point for the second time in just about a six-month period since July is a double-edged sword for many Americans. On one hand, there's a concern about a slowing economy, and that's one of the reasons why they cut the uh, interest rate. Uh, Slowing economy, ongoing trade war, uh, which could raise the prices of some of the things you buy. But on the other hand, when you cut the interest rate, that means that retirees, people who live off their savings account, interest on their savings, they have less money, and in some cases, they lose buying power. Greg, This is extremely significant, especially since 45 has been fighting with the chairman, Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Fed, sending all these signals about he wants him to lower the interest rate, lower the interest rate, lower the interest rate. What's the significance to you and
1: to us? Well, I think, you know, the central bank is worried about the economy. I mean, the president of the United States has, in many ways, shrunk the federal government down to fit him, uh, an unhinged, failed businessman, and he wants Jerome Powell to act like he does, play like his money is gonna never run out. Now, of course, the Fed can not print money, and I guess there was a dollar shortage earlier in the week. But, and you, you're best equipped, of course, Dr. Malbo, to lead us through all of this as an economist. I mean, I, in reading this, I'm thinking to myself, they're worried about China and trade, mm-hmm. they said that. Uh, Trump cannot be trusted, don't say, don't listen to him at all. And then, apparently, there was a yeah. split in the vote. Some people wanted... And yeah. I'm like, what is going on at the Fed? Yeah, yeah. 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 There, like there
5: was was There was a dissension vote, yeah. uh, which was kind of surprising as well, but I think that these are things that we need to pay attention to, to really the bullying um, of the Fed chair and those members as well, um, that because they do, they're do, they not accountable to the president. They answer supposed to Congress. They're an independent body. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The chairman of the Fed has a 14-year term
3: deliberately um, outlasting any president. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's not tied to the president. So Powell was Trump's appointee. Mm-hmm. So he picked this man, but this man is a banker. You know, he, he's steeped in monetary principles. Uh, Prior to this, I would not have agreed with him on very much, frankly. Mm. But the fact is that he has been um, a stalwart for the independence of the Fed. And this is what 45 can't stand, is independence. He wants everybody to bow down to him and say it's his world. Honey?
4: Yeah, I completely agree. That's what... Donald Trump wants to do just about him and what benefits him as well in terms of um, this issue as well. Yeah,
3: yeah. I sure sure hope these New York people can get. To the bottom of some of his tax returns, because some Mm. of
1: these James gonna get them tax returns. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) that sister gonna get them tax returns. Yeah, (laughs) because some of the decisions
3: that he's made (laughs) (laughs) seem to directly monetarily affect him. Yeah, I mean he has turned the Oval Office into a grifter's
5: paradise. The nation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's used the weight of the office um, for the nation. And just talking about Tisha James, I believe that um, of course Trump's attorneys are, you know. and trying to ensure that they don't get a hold of those tax returns, and I do I agree that they will. And going back to this um, piece with uh, what's happening with the economy, I mean, Germany's economy, Mm. is starting to slow down. Mm -hmm. So we're Mm. starting to see the hallmarks of a recession, particularly because President Barack Obama's economy and the low unemployment rate, that definitely has its timestamp. It's not something that can go on forever, and so... I love that you said, you know, you can't believe anything that come out, comes out <laughs> of Donald Trump's mouth. You can't. I believe that be in the interest of American people just to turn a deaf ear to that, do a lot more reading, listen to sensible people like you who are, you know, well-versed in the economy, mm-hmm. but also just watching the signs. You can see and feel the slowing down no of the question. economy. Yeah. So people mm-hmm. need to start preparing as though we are already in a recession. You know, the, the issue, we have... We've seen a low unemployment rate. People keep talking about how
3: low the unemployment rate is. Well one of the challenges to me with the lower unemployment rate, it's three point something overall, 5.5 for black folks, 4.4 for black women, but we're normalizing the fact that black unemployment is supposed to be higher mm-hmm. than overall unemployment. So when you when you hear him crowing about, oh, the unemployment rate is so low for black people, well, then close the gap. Mm-hmm. then cl- Do something to close the gap. Right. And, and, and what, do,
1: what do those numbers really mean? And when I hear yeah, you yeah. talk, when I hear Bill Spriggs talk, when I hear black economists talk, and then when we, as you said, when we look at our people, you know, we were just talking about it before we came on air. We got people in college working 30, 40 hours Uh a week. The unemployment doesn't mean that you are financially in good shape. I mean, people are busting their tails.
3: Well, wages are stagnant. So one of the things that has been a byproduct of this economy has been stagnant wages. Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wages have only gone up a, a little bit less than 3% just barely keeping up with inflation. So, you know, you see lower unemployment, but also stagnant wages. And usually in a tight, low unemployment, wages should be going up. Employers should be bidding against each other to raise wages, so if you're a good employee and you say, gee, I'm gonna leave here and go there, your boss will say, "Oh no, no, Erica. Let me give you a little more money to right. stay here." But right now they're like, "Okay, gone with your bad self," right. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, they know that yeah. the next job isn't necessarily going to pay yes. a lot more. So yeah. the conditions, the, the people are gaining, but those are people at the top who are gaining, right. and mm-hmm. people at the bottom simply are not. And so the the whole issue about recession, and I'm on the, I'm on the board of the Economic Policy Institute, so today. Uh, we had our board meeting, and one of our economists who does a great job, Josh Bivens, was talking about whether or not when we were going... Ge- he says, not if, it's right. when it's we go into a recession. Now, yeah, the question they, is well, whether they, it's going to come mm-hmm. in the, within the next year to affect the, the election mm-hmm. or whether it's going to come in, let's say, 2021. Right. We know it's mm-hmm. coming, and the question is when it's coming, yeah. and one of the challenges is that if it goes down in the next year, it will affect 45, because the only thing he had going for himself was the economy. Yeah. But if it takes a little bit longer, he may be reelected.
1: Well, I think it, it, mm. it, it may have already hit him in an irrevocable way. I mean, we see, of course, one of the biggest stories in the country right now is this GM strike. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. GM is sitting on so much money as a result of this grand theft that the GOP pulled off year four last with this tax cut. Right. And, and these women and men are like, you're not hiring. Wow. You're laying us off and so they've gone on strike. It may be too late. Right? It may be too late. Well, it, it may be that he's already has tipped over because that you're talking about now. You're talking about um, Michigan. You're talking about Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. You're talking about Wisconsin. These are the states that he barely stole.
3: So, you know, GM, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking about coal. We're talking about <laughs> <laughs> coal miners <laughs> like, who are angry with him because he yes, claimed that he right. was going to save coal and he didn't. You're talking about teachers. Uh, striking in and, red states, yes, mm-hmm. Te- That's right. teachers, teachers yeah. who some of whom voted for him. That's yep. right. So, you know, we, we're, we're looking at a, a, something of a tsunami yeah. in terms of what's happening with the economy. Mm. But, you know, he still is doing his thing, he's doing his thing, yeah, Erica. He's
5: gonna, he's gonna do that yeah, uh, regardless, <laughs> right? Regardless. <laughs> yeah.
3: it, it's made well, my line is look, if you elect a clown. Expect a circus. That's it. And and let the sideshow begin. Not
1: the universe Circus. And,
3: and, and, (laughs) you know, what what we've seen is the Department of Labor, Mm -hmm. every department doing things to undergird, undermine the progressive nature, which isn't really that progressive, but what we have had on the books is progressive economic policies, not to mention, and we're not even going to go there, Betsy, devoid of good sense, um, <laughs> <laughs> the secretary of education, uh, miseducation, who is yeah. giving break- tax breaks to for-profit colleges, mm-hmm. doing everything she can, again, to undermine, um, offering to use some of the student loan funds oh. for the wall. Um, oh, but, but, Greg, you you are, you know, at Howard University, where so many of our brilliant young people are. Yeah. What are you seeing in terms of students in the economy?
1: Oh, I'm seeing students working too many hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just talking about it. I mean, Erica, you know, you sharing with us about your son. I mean, you got, at Morehouse, you got students not eating. Yep. I mean, you know, I teach a class at Howard Law School. You have students who are working entirely too many hours to be in law school and succeeding in spite of it. Mm-hmm. The economy is in a... We're precariously purged. And when you mention people on fixed incomes... Or for that matter, most people are not in the stock market. We know our people are not in the stock market.
3: Half right. of, half of, more than half of us are not there. Are not in the stock market. Well, first of all, half of all Americans are not in the stock market. Exactly. Yeah. And
1: then so, you look at our people, that's what I was going to say. At HBCUs, you know, and you know this having having run one and been a faculty member, Faculty members at HBCUs aren't making money like faculty members at HWCUs, oh, no, and no, our money's not. in TIA craft. So yeah. you look at my mother at 90, 91 years old, fixed income, we pinch off sitting there, the stock market affects her in a negative way, like you said. These are the conversations we need to have be having. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. sending money, but our money's in TIA craft, and it ain't a whole lot of money to begin with. So they're playing, you're literally playing with the futures, faculty, staff, yeah. and students. And the staff isn't making much money to begin with. Anti unionism isn't just a white university thing. Right. So, as you're talking about unionizing on these campuses, you've got people who are now either don't have a union or who are being fought against. This is the time when we need to re examine everything.
3: On we this. really do. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back and we're going to continue this conversation with this amazing panel. we
6: well, you check out Rollerbart Unfiltered. YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, folks, you've heard me talk a lot about MarijuanaStock.org because I want to keep you informed of investment opportunities that make sense. And we've all watched the growth of the cannabis industry. A recent report by New Frontier Data estimates the global cannabis market at more than $340 billion. We know that marijuana legalization is sweeping the country state by state. We also know that marijuana has a good cousin, the hemp plant, with a much higher concentration of CBD. That means hemp gives you all the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Until recently, hemp farming was practically legal in the U.S. and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, the 2018 Farm Bill changed all of that, making it legal to grow hemp CBD in the U.S., creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. They need land to grow all the plants, and that's where our good friends at 420 Real Estate come in. Their business model is simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed, high-paying tenants. That's right, There are hemp CBD landlords. And you can get in on the action. Now, what they've done 420 Real Estate has done, is offer this special deal for the folks who watch Roller Martin Unfiltered. Originally, the minimum investment level was 500 bucks. Now, you can invest in this crowdfunding campaign for as little as $200 up to $10,000. Again, this is a $340 billion industry that is still growing. You can participate with as little as 200 bucks. To invest, go to MarijuanaStock.org. That's MarijuanaStock.org. Get in the game and get in the game now.
3: Okay, folks, take a look at this graphic. When it comes to who should lead the country, you can see that young people and baby boomers are sharply divided. Only ten percent of people between eighteen and thirty-four support support Joe Biden, while thirty-nine percent of voters between fifty and sixty-four think he's the best choice. That number rises to forty-six percent for voters over sixty-five. Elizabeth Warren's numbers are constant, pretty much across age groups, about twenty-five percent. Um, Regardless of age, Bernie Sanders gets 33% of the youth vote, but only 3% of the boomer vote. So this is fascinating. We are looking at uh, intergenerational tension around these choices. Uh, Greg, you know, uh, I am puzzled by us, black folks, that is, in terms of our support for Biden. What's the, is, it, is it just because of the Obama loyalty? Of course it is. I
1: mean, I think we're as naive about Joe Biden as we were about Barack Obama. We're brand loyal. We're not paying much attention to anything. Mm-hmm. And God bless the folks who are gonna pull a lever for Joe Biden because they remind him of Obama. That's the wrong thing to pull it. I think the, 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 really the story in that poll is what you said. It's the consistency of Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. She has momentum, she is building a campaign. And anytime you see her have a quarter to vote across all demographics, that means that as people begin to hear her, they are warming to her. And that means that message is resonating all the way through. I, I just really don't see a scenario where she, she doesn't catch Joe Biden at some point. I mean, I don't know. We don't know. It's still far well, out. Well, but- she
3: seems to be on her way, though, and I'm, I'll tell you, I saw her on Saturday night at Congressional Black Caucus. She was sitting with Reverend Jackson and Maxine Waters. See. Uh, you, I mean, you can't, you can't do any better than that. I mean, Reverend has not endorsed anybody, but she sitting right there with mm-hmm. Rev and, uh, and Maxine. Camel left early. Uh, just saying. Um, (laughs) No shade, just saying. (laughs) Honey, what do you think? You're the youngin' on the panel.
4: Tell me what young people are thinking. I don't know any young person who's excited about Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) I, I just don't know. I haven't seen it. To me, I don't think he resonates. And if you're, you know, he talks about a record player, what's that? And the thing that I... <laughs> yeah, yeah, y'all need,
2: y'all don't even know record players yeah, ever, I'm, you? Yeah, I'm like... <laughs> who has yeah, a record yeah, player? Yeah, I'm like, who has a record
4: player? He just is not, and he's not actually going and wanting to get the young vote as well, because he's relying on, you know, the boomer.
3: But younger but, people don't tend to vote, are less yeah,
4: likely in, to vote in, than in, boomers are. Yeah, in, like, the primaries, like, of course. But I feel like if you... But we're the future so you have to right. try to mm. try to get our votes. Okay. So I am just not sure what is driving people to want to vote for Joe Biden. Mm. And I think the best thing that he could have done is just sailed off into the sunset mm. when with Barack Obama because then he was mm. like America's favorite uncle, you know. That was <laughs> Joe Joe Uncle Joe. Now it's mm-hmm. like now we know His history, like we're looking more (laughs) into his (laughs) his life, and then and he says really incredible. The last uh, debate, he said something in regards to um, uh, going into uh, African American homes and teaching uh, 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 how to to be how how to be uh, parents and stuff like that. That was really that that was tone deaf. Yeah, it was very tone deaf. I don't know who his advisors are and. I'm sure he has. Well, Simone so, Sanders no, yeah, he, works for him. Yeah, she, and she,
1: she's probably pulling her short natural, pulling pieces <laughs> out of her head as yeah. he was talking, because it revealed who he is. It,
4: it, it's it's he's revealing himself. That's exactly right. A lot, and I think that's good for us as black voters because we need to that's know. It's very good. It's very good for us. So then we mm-hmm. figure out, you know, who can we, who should we vote for? Okay, are you for us? Are you not for us? Because they, people want our votes. They really want Get our votes.
3: The, well, we're the backbone of the yes. Democratic Party. Can we see the graphic again, please? Mm-hmm. I'd like to see the graphic again because we want to look down at folks like, uh, you know, I can't see y'all, but uh, Kamala <laughs> uh, not doing so well and mm-hmm. doing much less well with the older people, but still not doing very well. Uh, Buttigieg uh, doing better than she is, which I find interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, Erica, so you're looking at the graphic, yeah. which tells an interesting story, not only about Biden, but about some of the others. What would you say about what's up with
5: Bernie? Mm -hmm. Um, So Bernie has a strong um, constituency and following, uh, so to speak. So I don't see that that number is going to change much, even going into the primary. Mm. I I would like to fall back on um, what Hani said when she said, we are the future, that age 18 to 34 category. Uh, Dr. Avis Jones, the Weaver, and Melanie Campbell of the Black Women's Roundtable were on AM Joy a couple of weeks ago breaking out and talking about this Essence poll that had just been yes. released. And so when we look at the 18 to 34-year-old bracket, they, 26.9% of that body of voters were undecided. Yes. 26.9%. That was, that
3: was the significant, that was the most significant Absolutely. finding in that Essence poll. Yeah. And so many people had not made up their minds. They're waiting to see... What happens? They're waiting for the fallout.
5: Sure, and so it's still very early. Um, So, you know, name ID, recognition, but I do believe that Joe Biden just does not have the staying power. I don't believe that we'll continue to see the numbers that we continue to see, but for everyone else that we're looking at, the Elizabeth Warrens, the Kamala Harris's, um, for those people to still continue to look at them, but also for the 18 to 34-year-olds that the Democratic Party needs to aggressively begin to court those voters because you don't only want them to turn out you want them to turn out and bring folk along with them that's right and that's that's the real dilemma with
3: the 18 to 34s in particular you first of all got to get them motivated enough to register and then once they've registered you've got to get them out and what we saw in 2016 is that the 18 to 34s were like eh they weren't... I had a young lady who told me she didn't like Hillary. I said, well, she ain't coming to your house. <laughs> so you, you really don't have to like her. You don't have to wow. serve her tea." But, you know, so, and, and then the little girl had the nerve to call me uh, months later, or years later, a couple years later, when uh, Kavanaugh was appointed mm. to the Supreme Court. She said, Doc, what are we going to do about our abortion rights? I said, I'm over 60. I don't have abortion rights. Oh, I man. said, see, you should have thought about that when you said you didn't like Hillary. Mm. But, you know, the 18 to 34s, they're very picky. And because we had Obama... Who many people were in love with, mm-hmm. but you don't get to be in love with everybody no. who's on a ballot. I mean, most of us have made pragmatic decisions um, around voting. But, honey, you're, you're our, you're our young un, so we're gonna come back to you. What must we do to get the 18 to 34s out?
4: I think it's all of it has to be the policies, what gravitates towards the young people, like mm. student debt, um, all of those. And I think that's why people are engaged more with like Elizabeth Warren because she speaks to the people. She's mm-hmm. she she's trying to figure. She understands like there's a lot of debt that uh, that um, people yeah. my age have, and how mm-hmm. can the debt be relieved? Mm-hmm. So she's really pointing to those kinds of issues, um, and and I think that also you know I think people don't think she's electable, but I think she has a lot of charisma, and I think people are interested yeah, in absolutely. that. And they're all people want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear like oh or maybe we'll figure it out or we can do it but they want to know, no, these are the things. And she says, I have a plan for this, this, and this, and this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what is really important. What plans do you have, and how could it help us? You
3: know, a lot of people think she's unelectable because people don't think that a woman is ready. But I think that after Hillary, there was significant disappointment on the part of especially white women that, um, but although they didn't vote, you know, her natural base should have been college-educated white women, and they only voted for her at fifty three percent which should have been 60 or even 65, but I think because there's this notion of um, women feeling done wrong, not only because of Hillary oh. but also because of that thing which is in the White House, sure. that they may well um, come out for Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm.
5: She also is much more likable That's right if yeah. you will, That's than Hillary right. is. Are we ready for a woman, Erica? Oh, absolutely, because I mean, you know we can all think about just our experiences having had mothers growing up and i'm saying this to to kind of like break it out when you think about the importance of what women do globally why would not a woman in the united states be ready to lead and so for me when we talk about things like electability and likability you know when i was going through kind of like different boot camps and to, um, different type of political trainings, that was always something that was very much so highlighted, especially for women. But to me, that playbook has been thrown out of the window. It is all about what are we going to do to save our democracy. And so the person that is best qualified is the person that needs to have that job. Yeah. But
3: Greg, white men. You know, white men are steeped in patriarchy, sure. steeped in superiority. Absolutely. What does Elizabeth Warren or another woman like Kamala or even Amy um, Klobuchar, what does a woman have to do to get uh, Bubba, the white boy? Uh, uh...
1: I think ignore them. Yes. White men are dying. Yep. Uh, the white birth rate is is declining in this country. I think if Joe Biden is nominated, the Democrats are playing with fire. They haven't ensured a Trump second term, but he will have to put somebody on the bottom of that ticket. To uh, to your point, to excite those young people and to excite everybody else. So that looks like I think. If Biden is nominated, I think Biden-Harris would probably be the centrist right element of the DNC. They would want to see Kamala Harris at the bottom, because what you're signaling is she's going to be the president after me. Maybe I'll do one turn. That might be enough to do turnout. I think that Hillary Clinton, we'll never forget, we know of course, she won the popular vote. Mm-hmm. And, and the three states that turned the election was stolen by less than 200,000 votes. And we're talking about voter less suppression than in Milwaukee, votes. So less yeah. than 000, in, in Milwaukee, in Detroit and in places like Philadelphia and other places. That's how they stole Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. So it's not like she didn't win. I think that it was close enough for them to steal, not because she was a woman, but to your point, she was Clinton. She's Mm -hmm. a known quantity. I think Elizabeth Warren and Democrats, what they have to do to win is nominate somebody that excites. If Joe Biden is nominated, for example, and puts uh, Stacey Abrams, and she accepts, on the bottom of that ticket, I think he might have a chance. But if Elizabeth Warren is the nominee, I think she picks Cory Booker. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, a, I think a Warren Booker ticket will destroy Donald Trump, and it won't be because people won't vote for a black or won't vote for a woman. It's because, as you say, Eric, people are tired of oh, this yeah. BS. And that woman is an academic, mm-hmm. she is an administrator, and she has been a senator. And I think I think Warren Booket, Booker destroys Trump, and whoever he. That's
3: a really Donald interesting. Ticket. I haven't thought about that combination. You know, one of the other things we talk about Hillary and the suppressed vote. Tim Kaine was a very oh. uninspiring choice no for VP. Oh, really. No, I questions. mean, I mean, <laughs> yes. he had, I mean, he's a nice guy and yes. he's good on policy, but no redeeming social value no. as a vice yeah. president whatsoever. No. Yeah. There were so many other options she had. She could have picked a Latino. She could have picked Julian Castro. She yeah, be president.
4: What, <laughs> yeah. Yes, and I and I think she was just like, okay, I I need um uh, a vice president, a, a vice president candidate, and it's like, okay, well, he speaks Spanish. So I'll just. Oh please, I'll that's just, exactly right. Just, it, that's what it seemed like yeah. to yeah. me. It's yeah. like you could have had someone. Somebody, who's you actual, have someone who but, really speaks. But Spanish. But, he, but I don't. I don't even think um, um, Castro is actually is speaks Spanish. That. He doesn't. No, he actually. What, he, he, yeah. No, so that's probably doesn't. also an issue. Right. Yes.
1: So I just think you know it's interesting because there's that war in the Democratic Party is still there. They're still chasing those phantom voters. Yeah. Those guys are not coming back. If only white men had been voting the last thirty years, we wouldn't have had a Democratic president. We yeah. know that. It's time now to let them go into that good night that they are fighting to stay in the you, you <laughs> Go know into what I mean? the Seriously, good night. You saw today that clown yeah. was uh, going after uh, uh, Al Sharpton on Capitol Hill and they were talking about police mm-hmm. brutality. And I look at somebody like Val Demings out of Florida. The future of this country mm-hmm. is non-white and it's female. Yeah. So mm-hmm. stop chasing those coal miners. They will come around or they won't, but they don't Well, turn the coal the miners,
3: the coal miners are getting theirs. Hillary said yes. that... Yes! Hillary said that... I mean, she said it indelicately, um, but she did say that this industry is is failing. And, and we will train you to get another job. And 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 and, and, and 45 said, "Oh no, I got your back." Well, what kind of back does he have? The coal miners have not gotten their jobs back. In mm. fact, they're worse off than they were. Um, so many people who he made promises to are worse off yes. than they Armors. were. Yeah. yeah. But let's go back to this generational thing because it intrigues me. I guess as a baby boomer, I'm I'm very intrigued by just our differences uh, in terms of of, of this ticket. The younger people on the ticket, Buttigieg, Kamala, Booker, do not seem to be getting traction with the younger people either. Mm. Um, When you look at the chart, we're not going to pull it back up again. They're going to be tired of me in the control room. But when you look at the chart, we, we don't see them. We would expect, I would expect, for example, Buttigieg to do better than Bernie. Oh, but he's not. Thank you. But look, look at that. So Bernie um, is doing very well um, among younger people. Buttigieg, not as well. And he's, you know, people keep talking about him as the possible future. I've actually, I initially said that, and he ain't ready for prime time, but, he, but he's a good guy, and some of his stuff has been good. His stuff about race is actually quite decent uh, Henny, why are young people not gravitating toward these? But, that, but now they like uh, Andrew uh, Yang, who's I find fascinating. Uh. I think,
4: uh, you know, Bernie speaks to the people, and he speaks mm-hmm. to young people, and he speaks to the hearts and minds of young people. And I don't think other ones are 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 interested in that. I think they're just about, you know, I th- uh, Pete is just more about. He has these like policies and he talks about them and he's very eloquent but he's not he's not there's not a lot of spark that comes with him when i when i hear him i'm not like oh okay i'm gonna i'm (laughs) gonna i'm gonna vote for him it's like yeah he has he has a lot of accomplishments but i don't think his point of view is just like i just want to get the young voters and i'm trying to engage them as well i think he's just trying to engage anyone that he possibly can to get votes but i think bernie is like i understand you i even though he's much older but he's like, I've been there. I understand what, what's really important to you. So he's speaking to the hearts and minds of young people. And that is why his he's numbers are so sore. well with young people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're
3: going to move on. We're going to take a break and come back with this panel. Uh, but we're going to take a quick
6: break. One of the folks performing at the LifeLux Jazz Experience in Cabo, November 7th through 11th. I'm going to be there as well. Weekend-long event held the Omnia Day Club in Los Cabos, nestled on the Sea of Cortez in Los Cabos, Mexico. Folks, it's going to be an amazing time over those four days. We're going to have lots of great food and drink and golf and spa, health and wellness, you name it. The second annual LifeLux Jazz Experience. Of course, some great people, entertainers are going to be there. Comedian Mark Curry, Gerald Albright, Alex Bunyan, Raul Madon, and Cognito, Pieces of a Dream, Kirk Whalem, Average White Band, Donnie McClurkin, Shalaya, Roy Ayers, Tom Brown, Ronnie Laws, and Ernest Quarles. I'll be broadcasting Roller Martin Unfiltered for that Thursday and Friday there as well. And so we want you to be in the house. It's going to be a great time. Uh, go to lifeluxjazz.com. L-I-F-E-L-U-X-E-J-A-Z-Z.com for more information. Packages are going fast. You also want to book it soon so your airline tickets are not crazy high. So go to lifeluxjazz.com. Dr. Greg Carr, you think that Roland's going to take us on this trip?
1: <laughs> no, I, I think he would at least have fun with us if we pay our money and go on the trip. I, every time you run that ad, I'm like, man, I want to get on that boat. It, it sounds like
3: of <laughs> uh, my panel, Dr. Greg Carr, chair of the African American Studies Department at Howard University... Erica Savage Wilson, who hosts a podcast, Savage Politics Podcast, Savage Politics Podcast, and honey Garabayari, who is a policy advisor and human rights act- act- activist and advocate, both. And we're ha- happy to have them here. We want to remember this video, y'all, a young man allowing a New Jersey wrestling coach to cut his hair so he wouldn't have to forfeit mm. his match. Andrew Johnson was on the mat and in uniform before a match in December, when he was ordered by a white referee, Alan Maloney, to have his dreadlocks cut off or be barred from competing in a wrestling tournament, which meant his team would have basically forfeited. That referee, Alan Maloney, was given a two-year suspension. Should have been, like, life, but whatever. Um, Y'all remember that uh, particular story. It really did speak to a lot of the whole issue around hair discrimination. Um, And, of course, now there's legislation that's run in California, the Crown Act, Talking about looking at diversity in hair, Erica,
5: you rocking those dreads? What did you think about that? Oh, it pissed me off. Mm. <laughs> and so every time to have to watch that over and over again, and so here's 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 why. Because black to be black is to really be in the state of being policed constantly. And so that's something that we should have autonomy over as a human being, that the way that our hair grows from out of our head that it has to be legislated in order for other people to have a basic understanding that this is the way that our hair grows infuriates me. Um, and so, what I, in uh, the other part of the video that, that really did um, drive me was that when this young man was being, um, and, I'm, and, and I'm saying this, was being castrated, mm, mm, mm. Mm. you had a white man behind him, you have a white woman doing the cutting. He's also flanked by two other white men, and then you have white boys coming up and giving him Come on. some level of support, encouragement—what we call in our community "dab" for showing love. Mm. To hell with that. That's right. Well, you know the people who have one of my sisters rocks
3: dreads, and it's—it's it's been taking her years to get her hair to where she wants it to be. So I can. And his work relatively. I can't imagine someone just coming and cutting your hair like that. I just can't imagine it. It's so dehumanizing, Greg. In, in the context of our history, you, mean, as a professor of African American studies, from a context of our history, how does this resonate? To I me, think, it's almost like well,
1: Erica, Kunta Kenty becoming Toby. Eric said, has yeah. said it all. The way you characterized that is is exactly what it was. That boy was surrounded by whiteness, mm-hmm. and he was attempting to, to to maintain his humanity in the face of an impossible decision. At that moment, he said, "If I'm part of this community, then." They don't want me to forfeit clearly he didn't want to wrestle so he let them cut his hair as a short demonstration of his humanity mm-hmm. now those people surrounding him they showed no humanity None. they showed their lack of humanity right. by allowing him uh, this is your teammate y'all are supposed to walk off the thing come on
6: where's the solidarity and, and, oh oh like look at and first oh of all my you
1: put your hand get man get don't be giving me Ooh. no depth da- why are we still here And that demonstrates that we will never be human beings in this no Mm, good way to them. And so, no, I'm with you. I'm with you, Erica. At that that moment, and historically, we have seen this confrontation over and over again. Every time a black girl gets written up in elementary or middle school because she won't let a teacher mispronounce her name or give her a nickname, every time we see a little black boy be told to take something off and he says, It's part of my outfit, I'm not going to take this, then he gets sent to the principal's office. That is just one more example. Of the impossible way that we have to live in this country, it's absurd being black in America.
4: Absolutely. Henny yeah. H- 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 jump in here. Tell tell me what you thought when you saw this. It's you know I think what they wanted to to do is to demean him and to make him to feel less than, he, yes. he was humiliated. Even you could just see his whole mm. moment. His whole body language changed, and he was just he felt very defeated. And I, I think that's the purpose. Like, you know, I, I think you know young black boys. I think this country really wants society actually just wants to make them feel they're like they're defeated Mm. and Mm. and cutting your you know cutting someone's hair and as black people you know regardless of you know I'm I'm from Somalia and hair is very important in Africa it's important the whole diaspora hair is just very much our crown so when you do something they also you know you know that's gonna be dehumanizing to us because it's it's a part of of who we are in our essence and how we show um, who we are as as people. Because, you know, we are we can, you know, the way that we dress, the way that our hair is, it, it makes up of who we are as people. Yeah. And if you take that away from us, you're taking a part of us.
3: Yeah. yeah. It's you know the, It was a horrible situation, and I find that the uh, two-year suspension was extremely modest. That guy should never be able to referee again. No, well, that was
1: he, his team. Right. He made the thing, and then white people surrounded him and basically backed him on that. I'm so glad you mentioned the Crown Act because those sisters, as my sister, uh, Ajwa Batwe Asmohar, I've known about 30 years, since she was an undergrad at Temple University. She's mm-hmm. been one of the main people behind this Crown Act getting this thing passed. Mm-hmm. As she says about the Crown Act, those sisters are kicking ass and they taking names. Good. It's gonna be against the law to mess with our hair in this country very shortly, and those black women should be applauded every A- day. Absolutely. Amen.
3: And it started in California, but it's gone all, all over the country, yes. and it really <laughs> is important uh, because, you know, in some corporate settings, the Dreads are discouraged. You're, uh, you're natural. Well, yeah, no, I was had about a, to say. I had, a, I had an executive from a major network tell me once. He said, does your hair grow? I said, hair growth is a human function. He said, <laughs> he said it would be so much more attractive if you grew your hair out. I said, I, I, I'm kind of cool where I am. No,
5: I did no. not get that job. And I would just uh, say, <laughs> I mean, like, I've, had, I've worked in federal government for nearly a decade. I've had people say to me, well, what is it that you do? I can't believe that you do that. And so my response to anybody it's hair. It's hair. Wherever it's- I go, whatever room I step in, I'm stepping in fully as Erica with my hair. Now there are people that mimic this hairstyle because you can you can do that. You should be able to wear your hair whatever How makes I- you feel good. But I'm not limited or limiting myself into the places or spaces that I occupy because of my hair, because you're getting Erica Savage. That's right. Mm. Whew, you're getting Erica Savage, and
3: we like that. (laughs) Uh, This week, the Baltimore County Police released some very disturbing body camera footage of a white police officer badgering a black high school principal in front of his child, his 15-year-old son, and demanding to know whether he was responsible for a crime scene he had just witnessed, because he just happened to be walking past. Let's take a look.
6: You guys weren't involved in that at all, were you? Uh-huh. You guys weren't involved at all. Why would you ask me that? Because you're standing here. I
1: can stand. But I'm a citizen. I pay taxes here. So what's the issue with me standing? I just told you I'm educating my son okay. on how to deal with police. Well, let me so educate you, you, sir. This?
6: Okay. Educate me on what? When we do a thorough investigation, mm-hmm. we start. We start and talk to witnesses. Okay. Are you, you a witness? Ask me what. Ask me that first. I asked you if you're involved at I, all. Why would you ask me I'm involved? Ask me I'm a witness. If I'm winning, I'm sir, people get away with crime because of people like you. My man. So, people like me. Yeah. People do do like not you. fuck up to people me. People like okay? you. Okay? Step back. You understand? You understand? Okay. So we have, he came to me with this conversation, right? Yeah. I'm talking to him, right? Now, he said do Sir, I up. hopefully you find a good right? role model. Okay? Something? I wouldn't listen that? to this dude. You understand this? Model? No. You understand this? All right. Well, I'll be seeing you more then. You have no idea you're
1: talking to sir. You're
6: wrong. Okay, sir. But
1: That's
6: you fine. Got what? I so okay. All right. Well, Let me just get let me get a good video of your face real quick. Man, please All right. do. Let me get a good video right. of you and let me get your okay. badge number. Five two five three. Five two five three. Yes, sir. Can You see it, please? My That's not my badge number. My I can't oh, you're see. fine. I can't see. Can you read? It's Price. I, can I read? Yeah. Can you spell it for me? P. R. Mm-hmm. I. Okay. C. E. Okay. All right. Any period with that? No, sir. You sure? Did I say it? I don't it's know five two me. five three. Right? Now, right now? See this? now, right now, you're hindering my investigation, <laughs> so, so you need to step behind that police he, he car.
1: To me. So what we're going to do
6: is, we're
1: going to leave the area okay. and go back to our home, yeah. because this is why, don't say nothing to the police, he's absolutely wrong. Uh-huh. He don't know, he's talking to a doctor right now, Ooh. but he's acting an ass.
0: Okay.
1: He may not be one, but he's acting
6: an you understand? so you need to step out of so, my crime sir, scene now. Please. All right, thank you, sir. Hey, you have don't a good night. Don't thank me, and listen. I'm being cooperative. Uh-huh. Don't follow me. Okay. Well, sir, like you said, it, it's a free right, so hey, I'm, man, I'm allowed to walk where I want, sir. Don't talk to me. Sir. Don't talk to me, sir. Just keep walking, sir.
1: No, you keep, you stop walking. Sir, I'm you have
6: a good night keep walking. You have a good night. You're in my crime scene right now. You I need, have to, have keep right now. You need to keep walking. I'm walking. Sir, you don't want to You're be involved. On me. Sir, you don't want to, be involved. Sir, don't want to don't be involved. You need to leave. It's me, sir. I'm leaving. Sir, once again, you don't want to be involved.
1: Again, please.
6: Again. Five three. Five, two, Did you get five, it that time, three. or do I need to write it down? And I'll make sure that I talk to your sergeant. Absolutely.
1: It's all on camera, Actually, so. Can
6: I read? Okay. Yeah. Have a great night, sir.
3: Woo, uh, that was hard to watch. Vance Benton is a principal at Patterson High School in Baltimore. He and his son left after further argument, at which point the officer followed them. Mm-hmm. Benton filed a complaint with the police department and they have apologized for the incident, saying they will take administrative action against the officer involved. Nah, no, they just need to fire the fool. Um, what did you... I mean, we all watched that. The the officer's tone was rude, bullying, out of order, condescending.
4: Honey, what, what, what did you think? It was absolutely unnecessary to talk to him like that. And I think when, you know, authority, they, or, you know, police officers, when it comes to... Black men, I think the way that they talk to them is, you know, there's not, he couldn't have done that any other place, right? But because he has a badge, he could do that at that particular time to make oh, him right. feel mm. less than. But so that's the, that's the issue. So I just, I just didn't like it. And the way he was just like saying, you know, how, when he was spelling his name, like, are you not, you yeah, can't can, com- can, comprehend it. Can, can you read? He's can said, you can read? read? This is a high school principal. And the thing that
3: bothered me the most is that he was with his son. Yeah. And so, just as you talked about the castration of the young brother in, with his dreads, mm-hmm. to humiliate a man in front of his child, sure. you know, is a really, it's, it's a form of emasculation. Mm-hmm. Greg, what did you, um, what did you think when you, when
1: you saw that? I mean, you know, it's funny, a colleague, Jules Harel teaches at Howard, master teacher, he's in psychology. And Jules talks about the fact that we experience trauma On a moment-to-moment basis, Mm. Mm. watching that, I could Mm. feel—I'm sure we all did—our pulses quicken, our heart rate quicken. I felt my own. You know, and what Jules says is that's taking seconds off the ends of our life. We 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 shortened our lives watching that. And so when you think about, like you said, a man or a woman in front of their child, Mm. and I think Malcolm Gladwell just published his latest book, Talking to Strangers, and he, he said I was moved to write this book by watching the Sandra Bland video. Mm-hmm. At any moment, I'm watching this thinking, at any moment, this could escalate into something because of perception. Right. This mm-hmm. this white punk cop, five two yep. five three Price, make him famous, Come everybody on. watching this, is looking, and he's got an assumption that he knows something about black people and black men. And I'm going to control this N-word, and is in front of his son, but that brother is sitting there, and he's got a decision to make every time he doesn't walk away. Because what he's caught between is, my son is here, as yeah. you said. Yeah. And... If my son wasn't here maybe I would have said something to him and kept walking but every time he doesn't walk away I'm saying that's more for his son cuz I can't be no punk in front of my son right. but as Malcolm Gladwell is writing any moment of perception could have ended his life right. and we could have been watching a double murder because he turned his back I'm saying man don't turn your back brother right. we all watching him and like, that the guy said way. he said keep on
3: walking yeah. keep on walking right. and you know you're sitting there thinking what I, I want I want to know and I hope that the Roland Martin team will follow up. What was the administrative action taken? Right. right. This dude does not need to be a police officer. Right. This is how you talk to citizens.
5: You don't need to be a police officer, Erica, Absolutely. The first thing I thought about was Freddie Gray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We we're in Baltimore. Um, yeah. And so, just moving forward from that, and I'm glad that you brought in the trauma piece mm-hmm. because that's something that we should be taking in as a community mm-hmm. as we talk, as we think about decisions that we need to make around our blackness, our safety, our protection, our children, our future. Because see, fools like this is price five two five three. You said, mm-hmm. okay, that they, they've only become even more emboldened. That's right. Because of Donald John. So we have to make a decision as a community, taking care of one another, ensuring that we're good, that we're safe, in um, um, trainings and things of that nature, whatever it takes. Because these these punks, as you call them, yeah. they're not they're not stopping. They're only going to increase in number and behavior. Mm. We need to make mm. sure. I mean, we really do need to make sure. Uh, When I go home,
3: well, I got a bunch of other stuff to do, but but sometime I'm gonna write a letter to somebody in Baltimore and Mm -hmm. say, fire this you-know-who-what, you know? Because someone who has that attitude, a man just happens to be walking by, and you just decide you get to harass him because he's black, because he's a Mm -hmm. black man, no, no, no! You don't need to be a law enforcement officer. Law enforcement officer. What you are is a patroller, as in the, right. as in, as yes. in, you know, in the in the enslavement That's days, exactly. attempting to uh, in- impose order. Okay, so we got another one. Lord, white people just crazy, <laughs> y'all. They cray, <cray-cray>. cray, cray, cray. <laughs> the New York State Commission on Judicial Conduct announced that a state judge has been permanently barred from the bench after the commission filed a complaint over a threatening Facebook post that conveyed, quote, racial and or political bias, unquote. The official complaint shows that Alona Town Court Judge Kyle Canning had posted in February an image of a noose with text that read, if we want to make America great again, we will have to make evil people fear punishment again. A noose! Hmm. According to the commission, Canning resigned in June after they served him the complaint regarding the Post and has agreed never to seek or accept judicial office at any time in the future. All right, I mean, we, we just got cray cray today. Cray cray to the cray cray. Mm. Uh, Dr. Greg Carr, this was a, ju- help us understand the significance of noose in the context of our history. Well,
1: I think it, it, if you uh, play it right, you can get elected to the United States Senate. Remember Cindy Hyde in Mississippi saying that, you know, if you invite me to a lynching, I'll come. And, yes. and Mike Epps still lost mm-hmm. the election. Yep. I mean, so that, that, that noose is a yes. symbol of... Uh, just tie these two stories together. It's a symbol mm-hmm. of white power and order. Yep. And this guy doesn't even have a J.D. He was never been in law school. They made him a judge in that little place. And he, I mean, the idea... he 29 years old or something yeah. like that? Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, 29. but like you said, crazy cases, case, is crazy white folk international because Justin Trudeau was 29 when he blacked his face up at that party in Canada. But, I mean, <laughs> as a teacher. But to, to your point, I mean, I think... As a teacher. Yes, but, I mean, the noose symbolizes justice by any means necessary, and it's lynch law. Ida B. Wells told us about that a hundred some years ago. Lynch law in all its phases. When you see a noose, everybody knows what that means. We right. coming for you. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean the judge, it means the victim of the judge. That's
5: right. Yeah. That's right. Erica, again, um, to what Jasmine tweeted out uh, the other day, it is white men knowing that they can operate without impunity. And then he issued um, a statement, and in that statement, he was not remorseful at all. He was apologetic to, I believe, his colleagues who I, he felt like his yes. absence, yeah, yeah, would, you know, create, I guess, a more burden of a workload. For them, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So again, y'all, look at what we're dealing with. This is not a drill. This is what it is. And I'm glad that um in that story it did mention his age because I yeah. believe that our within our nation that there's this belief that, you know, people who are um anti-black and who are racist are this. You know, this oh, group God of people God. that are, you know, they're falling. No, 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 ma'am. No, They are being born every day in their heat. Mm. Well, see, and that,
3: that's my... I don't mind old
5: racists, because so they finna
3: die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I truly don't... Old racists don't really get on my nerves. It's young racists, you know. It's like, where did you get that from? I the mean, what, where, but they got they got <laughs> it from their mamas and daddies. They got it at their dinner table. But, you know, like I said, you, you run into... Them old and you're just like oh well just you know you got about a few 15 more minutes and you <laughs> up out of here Henny, what do you
4: think yeah i also believe uh also what erica said as well about age when i found out that he was only 29 years old i was like mm. that's very
3: interesting. but dylan roof was was 21
4: oh. yeah mm-hmm. uh but you
3: know I mean, so you know how, how i mean where do these people get yeah. this racism from i was on uh, the the link to the article was WashingtonPost.com, and I went on to the link, mm-hmm. and, and the comments, I, I enjoyed a comment mm-hmm. just So one guy says, well, it, a noose doesn't have to be racist. I'm like, read some history, fool. Come on. Uh, you know? Yeah. So th- there's a level of ignorance and history denial, and the beautiful thing about this moment, to me, is that it's bubbling up. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's
3: bubbling up, and people, you know, we, we, you know, black people with sense, are not gonna let them tamp it down again. It's bubbling yep. up. That's
5: yeah, right. yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can't put the li- um the lid on this pot. So it's pretty much bubbling it's over.
1: It's really unfortunate.
5: Yeah. So we got these we got these connected stories of
3: policemen, the the the, the, the um dreadlocks the ignorant Baltimore policeman, what was his name, Mr. Price, number 5253. Yes. Don't forget it, y'all. Right. <laughs> you. And then this this you, judge. No, and this, 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 we we, connect, right. we how, When we connect these things, yeah. what are we left with, Greg? Yeah.
1: I think we're left with the importance of black news media, the importance of conversations like this, the fact that we live not just in the United States but in the world. I'm so glad you said what you said, honey, about, you know, Being Somali and being here in the United States, i say that you understand uniquely in a way that we need to begin to understand that the United States isn't the only country in the world and everything Mm. is in place. I mean, even the Fed story. The Chinese are sitting back laughing. You start (laughs) a trade war with the future of the world. Mm.
3: Well, there's 300 300 and some million of us and how many trillion of them? I mean, they they, they outpopulate us three to one.
1: There's 1.2 billion Africans right now. 40% Yeah. 40% of whom are under 15 years old. So let's be very clear, this we're living in the past, except uh-huh. our people are part of a larger world. Yeah. And if China decides to start a real trade war with America, that's when these hillbillies that going to vote for somebody else going to get real messed up because the draws in Walmart are going to go skyrocket <laughs> yes, and sir. the iPhones and the MacBooks. Yes, So, I mean... The draws I'm, in Walmart. Ask, we live in the world, no, <laughs> Right. Seriously. It's the
5: truth.
1: No, Walmart going to be empty. That's it. These people don't understand. We live in the world. White America needs to wake up or, and understand that in a minute when this thing falls apart, if we act right, we got an option. But they're trapped over here. Yes, mm. sir
3: you know and the you mentioned uh, Trudeau and the uh, brown yeah. face yes. thing that was shocking to me because he seems to be relatively progressive but you know that just shows when you scratch a white person here come the racism Henry, you got something to say
4: yes I, I do about trudeau i was i was thinking about that <laughs> a lot actually because you know when people think of canadians they think of maple syrup mm-hmm. and they think mm-hmm. of hockey but i think there's like, <laughs> uh, like uh, wrong, uh, it, it, there is an obvious racism in there like and people do not understand the first nations the people the you know indigenous people yes. in 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 Canada are treated incredibly terribly. They're they're only 3% of the population, but are 26% of the prison population. Mm. So so yes, Canada may not be like America, but they all also have issues and for him to talk about he didn't understand what uh, you know the implications of uh, brown face or black face and it's it's com- uncommon to him and unheard but it's like but you are yet you are the prime minister of a country no, that is systematically racist a, to people the child
3: of a prime minister as well As, as this, well. this boy is not stupid right? yes it, it, it's just People seem to feel like making fun of people of color is is a joke, like uh, Northam
5: and yeah. Herring yeah. and all those. We're almost out of time, Erica. I'm gonna let you have the last word. Uh, just really, I mean, that's because they've been able to get away with it for so long, but what an exciting time to be alive, and I hope everybody um, does what they need to do in support of our democracy. Yeah.
3: Well, this has been fantastic. I mean, I've had such a great panel. Greg, Hani, Erica, you guys are great. Roland was gonna be back uh, tomorrow. He'll be back in the driver's seat, but I hope you enjoyed today's edition of Roland Martin... Filtered. You. Yeah, and, uh, if you, like what, oh, if you yeah. like what you see, support us. Roland Join the Bring the Funk Fan Club. Until next week, I'm Dr. Julian Malvo. Holla! <laughs>